you're listening to Time in the Word. Dr. Gonzalez explains that there is a great deal of misunderstanding as it relates to the two stages of Christ's second coming. As stated in the messages in which he discussed the signs of the times, the signs are not signs that will signal the rapture of the church, his return for the saints, but rather his ultimate return with the saints. Much of the misunderstanding comes from confusing these two events. Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16-17, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are still alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. In the next few messages, Dr. Gonzalez will be discussing the doctrine of the rapture of the church, an event that will occur prior to the start of the tribulation period. As God ministers to you through this series of studies, and as you experience God's love and grace in your own life, share these podcasts with others so that they too may be blessed by God's word and his amazing grace. Let us listen as Dr. Gonzalez continues his study on end times prophecy. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to study your word. We pray that you would speak to us as only you can. Open our hearts. Let us hear what you have to say. Father, we also want to remember at this moment the Virginia Tech community as they begin the healing process after such a uh, senseless atrocity, Lord. We just pray that you would use even that incident for your own glory and that you would bring people to faith as a result of this in the Lord Jesus Christ. For it is in his name we pray. Amen. Well, if you have been uh, with us for the last uh, few weeks, you know that we have started a series on Bible prophecy and we titled the series uh, The Bible and Tomorrow's Headlines. We're looking at what the Bible has to say about what news agencies and newspapers and magazines will be reporting as headlines in the future. Uh, We ended last week a series of lessons on the signs of the times and just before I move into the new subject I want to just recap uh, and make a point about the signs of the times. The signs of the times that we were talking about are signs that will be given to those who are living during the tribulation period. These are signs of the second coming of Christ. They're not signs uh, for the church age uh, in regards to the rapture. They are signs that, that point to the nearness of the second coming of Christ. A point that we did want to make and emphasize, and the reason why we spent as much time as we did looking at the signs of the times is because even though these are signs that will be given to those during the tribulation period, pointing to the second coming of Christ, we made an issue of it because even today, before the church has been raptured and taken to be with the Lord, we can already see the shadows of many of those signs of the times in our own time. I won't spend a whole lot of time, in fact, I won't spend any time talking about what we've already spent time on. I just wanted to point out that when we're looking at the chronological events as the scripture lays them out for us, the signs of the times do not refer to the rapture of the church, they refer to the second coming of Christ. The point we were just trying to make was that we can see already some of those signs of the times, the shadows of those signs of the times in our own time. The, the, the lesson we're going to uh, cover 
probably in the next uh, few programs is going to be the rapture. We're going to start dealing with the whole issue of the rapture, what is the rapture, who will be raptured, and all the other uh, points that need to be made. Now, as we look at the chronological or the, or the sequence of events as they unfold in Scripture, we know that there is nothing told in Scripture for the church to look for in, in regards to the rapture. In other words, the rapture can occur at any given moment. There are no signs that will allow Christians to know that the rapture is going to be taking place in, in some uh, short time in the future. Nothing forewarns the church of the rapture. The rapture will occur at any given moment. In fact, let me just make this point. There is nothing that needs to occur for the rapture to take place. So the rapture literally, as we stand here and as we sit around here, we can literally experience the rapture at any given moment. We could be gone. Uh, now, the Bible clearly teaches us that the church will be removed from planet Earth prior to the tribulation period. Uh, the tribulation period, and we will look at this uh, later on as, 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 as we consider, consider the reasons why we believe that the rapture will take place prior to the tribulation. But, but at any event, the rapture, the event of the rapture is a divine, uh, supernatural event. Now, since there are no signs that clearly show us that the rapture is about to take place, uh, there's nothing to look at in, in that particular uh, point. But I do want to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16. Uh, Paul speaks about the rapture in this passage of Scripture. And I just want to point out a couple of the things that Paul teaches us uh, through his writings. If you have your Bible, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16. And this is what Paul says. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Listen, according to what Paul is teaching us here, when the church, or when those who have died in the church age, and who are rightly related to Jesus Christ, when we hear these three sounds, these three sounds will signal, signal not the coming of the rapture, but the actual event itself. In other words, these sounds will signal the arrival of the rapture. And I believe, as many believe, that these will be simultaneous sounds. And as soon as we hear these sounds, the rapture will take place. Now, according to Paul, there are three sounds that are going to be heard uh, when the rapture event takes place. Uh, the first one, he says, is a loud command. Again, he says in verse 16, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command. The words loud command literally mean a shout of command. And it implies both authority and urgency. Now, the scripture is silent about a couple things. One, we don't know what that command will be. 
the scripture doesn't tell us what the content of the shout will be. And it doesn't tell us either whether it is Christ who shouts the command or angels who shout the command. But either way, that's irrelevant. The point is that at the moment the rapture is about to take place, one of the things that we will hear will be a loud command. Uh, the second thing Paul indicates that we will hear is the voice of the archangel. Look again at verse 16. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel. Now, this is Michael. It's a reference to the archangel Michael. Now, Scripture seems to teach us that Michael is either a leader or one of the primary leaders in the angelic world. And we know that Michael has been the one commissioned by God to protect God's people. Now, I want to make a couple of interesting points and references as to what the role appears to be of Michael and the angels during the rapture event. There's an interesting passage in Luke chapter 16 and verse 22. Uh, this is the story of the rich man and Lazarus, and in it, in verse 22, the Lord Jesus says this, the time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. I think this passage helps illustrate what it is that Paul is trying to teach us uh, the role will be of Michael the archangel and the angels in the rapture event. Even within the church, we've reached a point where we, where we think of Satan as a caricature. Uh, for some reason, we don't take the doctrine of Satan seriously enough even in the church. But, and most people don't realize, even those who are rightly related with Jesus Christ, that there is an evil domain out there that we actually do battle in, in, in that sphere of, in that spiritual realm, let me put it that way. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, Satan is referred to as the prince of the power of the air. And the scriptures clearly teach us that as Christians, we do not make battle with flesh and blood, but our war is against the evil spirits. We there is a spiritual realm and there's evil in that spiritual realm in which we engage in warfare. There's a spiritual warfare going on. And the fact that we don't see it or the fact that it's not tangible to us doesn't mean that it, it, it's not real. In fact, the Bible makes the point of stating that the spiritual realm, realm in which we engage in spiritual battle is as real as anything that we experience as Christians and as human beings in this world. And the point that Jesus seems to be making and the point that Paul uh, seems to be making when he talks about Michael and the fact that Michael has been one commissioned to protect uh, the people of God seems to be this, that when the rapture event takes place, as we're making our way from planet Earth into the air to meet with the Lord, we will have to travel through this spiritual realm of which Satan is the prince and that we will need to have, to illustrate it, some sort of escort or protection as we make our way through that spiritual realm. So in essence, what 
Paul seems to be indicating and what uh, Jesus seems to be indicating in the story of, of the rich man and Lazarus is that Christians will be in essence almost militarily escorted by uh, the Archangel Michael and the other angels to protect us as we make our through our way through the spiritual realm. Now according to Paul there's a third sound that we're going to hear and that is the trumpet call of God. Now if you are a student of the Bible and if you have spent time reading the Old Testament, you will recall that just about any time God wanted to summon His people to assembly, He used the trumpets to do so. Well, it's no different in the rapture event. When Christ descends from heaven, and remember, the, 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 the second coming of Christ is broken into two phases. The first one is Christ descending from heaven and remaining in the air, summoning His his church, summoning those who are rightly related with Him to meet with Him in the air. And the second phase of the second coming of Christ is when He actually returns physically and plants His feet on planet earth. Here Christ is descending from heaven and as we hear these three sounds we are being summoned by Christ to meet Him in the air so that we can be in fellowship with Him and so that we may receive our eternal uh, blessings. Now, whether these sounds will be heard by everybody living on planet Earth or whether it will be heard only by those who are rightly related to Christ, there's a debate, but it's, but, but it's, a, it, it, it's not a point by which we would create a, 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 a controversy over. The point is this, when the rapture event takes place and when Christ summons the church to meet with Him, whether the rest of the world has heard these sounds or not is irrelevant. They will certainly know that something uh, divine, something big has just occurred because millions of people throughout the entire world will from one moment to another vanish. They will be gone to meet the Lord uh, 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 as He summons Him. Now in verse 17 of that same passage, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, listen to what it says. After that we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Now I want to make a couple of points here. Uh, notice that he he, he says that we, will, uh, that we will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Now I want to I propose something here. I want to propose that if we look at the term clouds in context with what the rest of Scripture seems to say, or at least illustrates about what these clouds represent, it doesn't necessarily mean that the clouds is where we will meet with the Lord because he makes the point a few uh, words down by saying that it is in the air that we will meet with Christ. Let me, let me illustrate what I'm attempting to, to, to point out here. If you look at Exodus chapter 40, I want to kind of give you a heads up as to what it is that may be, re may be referred to by Paul here uh, when he speaks of the clouds. In Exodus chapter 40, in fact these are the last few verses of the, la uh, of the book of Exodus, uh, this is what Moses said. Verses 34 um, 
through 38. Then the cloud, notice the term cloud, covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled upon it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the, uh, uh, the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and fire was in the cloud by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel during all their travels. What is Moses saying about this cloud? In essence, what this cloud represents, and I believe that, that it fits perfectly what Paul is saying to us in verse 17 of 1 Thessalonians. It is representative of the presence and glory of God. And of course, we as Christians believe that the Bible clearly teaches that Jesus Christ is God. Listen, what Paul is saying is this. When we hear those three sounds, when the rapture event takes place, and when we are summoned by God to assemble, we will be caught up in the air, and the cloud represents the presence and glory of Christ. Can you imagine for one moment what that experience will be for those of us who have placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ? We have experienced certainly the presence of God in our lives. In fact, the Bible is clear in teaching us that when we are born again, when we are rightly related to Jesus Christ, the Spirit of the living God dwells in us, takes permanent residence within us. And certainly we have experienced the awesomeness of God. Certainly we have experienced the blessings of God. But think of this, at the moment the rapture takes place, whether you were dead and are raised, or you're alive at the moment of the rapture, you will be brought into the very presence of Christ, and you will be in complete awe of that presence of Christ and the glory of Christ. Listen, that will be an incredible moment in the life of every Christian as they literally come into the presence and glory of Christ and experience that presence and glory. I can't begin to imagine what that is going to be like. But Paul clearly tells us that once we're brought into the presence and glory of Christ, we will be meeting with Him in the air. And this distinguishes the rapture event from the second coming. Because according to Scripture, he never touches ground at the, uh, 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 during the rapture event. He just simply descends from heaven, and in the air, he, uh, we are caught up and, and, and meet with Him. The second coming clearly teaches us that He will actually, literally, physically, with His feet, touch uh, planet Earth. Now, having said that, let's look at the results of the rapture. What does that mean to the Christian? What happens once the rapture has taken place, what happens, uh, what is the result of that event? First of all, Christ's promise to return or come back for the church is fulfilled. 
If you have your Bibles, look at John chapter um, 14. John chapter 14 and verses, I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. John 14, 1 through 4. Listen to what Jesus says. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And listen, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Listen, Jesus made the promise that he was going to go and prepare a place for believers. The point is this. Listen, if Christ has not yet returned, it is because he is not yet done preparing your place. And also because he's giving people the opportunity to become relate, rightly related with him. Every day that God gives us is another day for somebody to realize his sin, repent of his sin, and give his life to Jesus Christ. But the result of the rapture, the first result is that Christ will come back and fulfill the promise that he had made to the church. The second result of the rapture is the completion of our salvation. Uh, in Romans chapter 8, this is what Paul said. Romans chapter 8, verse 23. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. You know what the, the, the second result of the rapture is? The completion of our salvation. Listen, do you realize that at the moment of the rapture, our earthly bodies, our earthly tents will be transformed and we will receive the glorified bodies that are awaiting us at the moment of the rapture. Listen, think about this. Once the rapture occurs, sin will have no power and sin will have no effect in your life any longer. At the time of the rapture, your sin nature will be done away with, your earthly body will be transformed, and you will receive the glorified body that the Bible says every Christian will receive. And listen, from that moment on, think about this, from that moment on, Christians or those who are now in the presence of Christ forever, receiving the completion of their salvation, from that moment on, Christians will no longer sin at all. In fact, they will no longer have the capacity to sin. For the sin nature, that which we, with which we struggle currently, and the reason for which we sin will no longer be a part of who we are as the raptured church. And the third um, 
result of, of, of the rapture is found again in verses 16 and 17 of 1 Thessalonians. And that is that believers will be united. Not only corporately, but believers will also be united with their loved ones who have died previous to the rapture event. Listen. According to Paul, in, in again, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17, this is what he said. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. Listen. And the dead in Christ will rise first, and then verse 17, after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Listen, at the moment of the rapture, corporately, the entire church will be united. And obviously, if you have had relatives who were Christians and who died before you did, you will be reunited with those loved ones. Folks, we thank you for joining us. We are going to close in prayer. We will continue this study next week. Father, we thank you. We pray that you would speak to us and help us apply this to our lives. For it is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.